0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Weekend Review, brought to you by CARP, helping you unlock money you didn't know you had. Members-only discounts that can save you tons. Find out more at carp.ca.
1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. It's back to school, but the ongoing pandemic has caused even more anxiety. We'll hear from a mum and a psychologist on what to expect and how to navigate the extra challenges. And Zoomers are heading back to school too. Learn more about the offerings from the Toronto District School Board. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. prices are rising by double and triple digits around the globe. Whether at grocery, corner stores or markets, prices for food have been surging in much of the world, forcing families to make tough decisions about diets. Prices in July were up 31% from the same month last year, according to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. Supply chain issues and extreme weather are to blame. The price increase for basic staples is making some governments nervous. The surge has stirred memories of 2008 and 2011 when increased prices triggered food riots in more than 30 nations across Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. Staff at Nike's corporate headquarters in Oregon have been given a week off to support their mental health, ahead of a return to the office this month. The U.S. firm will power down to give employees a rest after a tough year. It follows similar moves from LinkedIn, where the new mandate is Zoom-free Fridays, as a growing number of employees have reported feeling burnt out as the pandemic drags on and many continue to work from home. Big U.S. firms like Google, Apple, and Uber have also delayed plans for staff to return to the office as infections surge across the U.S. A federal bankruptcy judge has approved a historic opioid settlement between Purdue Pharma and thousands of local and state governments. The agreement ends a long-running legal drama involving a company that symbolized the corporate culpability behind an epidemic that has claimed more than a half a million lives over the past two decades. Under the settlement, the oxycotton maker will be reorganized into a new company that will funnel its profits into efforts to fight the overdose crisis. The world's oldest man has died. Emilio Flores Marquez of Puerto Rico died just four days after his 113th birthday this month. Guinness World Records confirmed he was the oldest man standing as of this June. Researchers are now trying to work to confirm who will take the title from him. Prior to his death, Emilio said his longevity to living was a result of a compassionate life, The oldest man ever was from Japan, born in April of 1897, passing away at the age of 116 years, 54 days. That was back in 2013. It should be noted the oldest person ever to have lived was Jean Calmon from France, who lived to 122 years and 164 days. However, only recently, researchers say they don't believe her story. I didn't expect ever in my life that I can do that. This was my dream. Every woman on the world should be able to ride a bike and allowed to. A German non-profit that believes bike riding is a human right is teaching refugee women from Iran, Iraq and Syria how to ride. Thanks to volunteers and donors, more than a thousand women have learned how to ride, not just young women. Some in their 60s are so dedicated, they practice through the bitter German winter. The company, Bikey a spin on the word refugees, is helping women who were either forbidden to ride a bike or never learned how. Bikes are an important part of German culture. Nine out of every ten residents own a bicycle. The group also teaches women how to fix bikes. A Michigan couple has been ordered by a judge to pay their son over $30,000 after they got rid of his pornography collection. 43-year-old David Working won the lawsuit against his parents last December and now eight months later, a judge ruled the parents must pay for destroying his property. Working was living at a home for a 10-month span after his divorce and said his parents had no right to throw out his collection of films, magazines, and other items. In response to the suit, his parents say they had a right to act as his landlords. I'm Christine Ross and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. This time of year marks an annual rite of passage for many as parents send their kids off to university for the first time. But this year, it's filled with more anxiety than normal as the pandemic brings a different set of challenges. Kim Honey, deputy editor of Zoomer magazine, recently sent her two sons off to Montreal's Concordia University.
2: They're both going to Concordia. My youngest, Felix, is going into his first year. I feel good about where they're living because they are both with roommates. Everyone's double back. And I feel good about Montreal in general because they are asking for, they have a, an app now and they're asking for vaccine passports to go to restaurants and bars and movie theaters and things like that. But for young people, you know, you just worry about the people you can't control, which are out there. So, you know, I know in bars, sort of like Toronto too, where you can go to a table, but you have to stay there and you just go to the washroom. But the problem is that you know, it's your chance encounters. And with Delta being so transmissible, I do worry about breakthrough infections, but I just, you know, they're 19, they're 18 and 21. You know, how careful are they going to be? That's kind of my main concern. You know, I'm just there and it's like, what do you want? You know, what do you need? I'm far away. I'm a five hour drive in the winter. It's a nightmare to get here. So, you know, that's kind of my concern is how it fast, but You know, I just leave the lines of communication open, and I just tell them, look, university is not about your grades. Don't pile extra stress on trying to get age. Expect your grades, especially my one who's starting first year, expect your grades to drop. Don't freak out. You're still going to get your degree. Use your time wisely, and just try not to sleep through your lectures. (laughs)
1: Heading back to school no matter the age often brings its own challenges, and one of them this time is anxiety about being separated from families after months of togetherness. Now, add into the mix a pandemic with worries about distancing, vaccines, and new ways to socialize. It can all seem overwhelming for parents and students. Dr. Sam Claridge is a Toronto psychologist with some advice on how to mitigate these extra
3: challenges. There's going to be a lot of pressure on everybody. Because it's a balancing act. I mean, the balancing act is between health and schooling. And really, um, I think there are many parents who would like to see their kids in school. There's there's parents who don't want to see their kids in school. There's many uh, kids that want to get back to school, and there's some that don't want to get back to school because they're afraid. Um, hopefully, the I mean, the organizations involved, I mean, uh, the school boards, the trustees, the teachers, will make sure that, you can, that they're trying to create the most protective environment that they can protect under the circumstances. And that's what's hoped for, that, um, that people take the necessary precautions to make sure that the environment is as safe as it could be.
1: So do you agree with what, what a lot of the health experts say is that definitely outweighs getting back and being social outweighs any of the risk?
3: Um, uh, that's a good question. There are still risks, but uh, if, if we believe the researchers and the scientists... Uh, they're, they're probably accurate. Um, but there's going to be some that will not accept that. They'll place health above everything else.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Schooling, socializing, and, so, uh, um, and even mental health. They'll, they'll, they'll put physical health ahead of it. But it's, it's, it's probably best that people take the proper per, um, precautions. Uh, the school is taking the proper precautions that schooling is probably at this point, hopefully a safe, a reasonably safe bet.
1: Back to school this year, though, comes after many, many months of families self-isolating together and that kind of sense of togetherness as a unit. Yes. So so parents have kind of a more complicated mission this year of dealing with all the uncertainty and anxiety. So how do they reassure their kids? It's, it's, you know, how do they prepare them for what's ahead, even though there's going to be this, uh, you know, separation period?
3: Yeah. No, they have to sit down with them. Uh, again, I don't know how many parents and kids do this. you sit down with your kids and say, okay, school's starting up soon. What do you think the difference is going to be? How are you going to handle it? We've been together. We've enjoyed our company. Sometimes we haven't enjoyed our company. What are you looking forward to? What aren't you looking forward to? And how do you how do you hope to handle it? How do you hope to cope? And is there anything that we as your parents can do to help that process along? But I suspect most parents won't do that. At least I hope more uh, more parents will. Mm-hmm. Just sit down with your kids and sort of dialogue it and um, and actually get prepared and see how the parents can help out if the kids want their help.
1: So what I'm hearing you say is that they're setting the tone and almost validating the feelings that everybody is having?
3: Yes, that's right. I mean, that's exactly right. Because people are going to have mixed reactions. Some parents are going to miss their kids. Kids are going to miss their parents. Some parents aren't going to miss their kids because there have been too many, there's too many um, quarrels and, uh, and disagreements and uh, looking over one another's shoulder. So they'll, they'll, they'll welcome the opportunity to go back to school. And I think parents will welcome the opportunity to have them in school, but there's going to be others that will really miss one another.
1: So let's look at some of the specific new stressors and how to handle them. Ontario just got a look at new modeling numbers this week for the fourth wave. They're pretty sobering, to say the least. Yes, they are. And most of the science experts say it's mostly driven by a return to school. So how are parents and children, and basically all of us, how are we to process this news?
3: No, I mean, it's a difficult thing to process. I mean, because um, there's uh, everyone's concerned about vaccination rates. now, and, and I guess the big challenge is how many kids are going back to school. Are properly vaccinated if they're not properly vaccinated what risk do they pose and, and are there going to be restrictions on those kids um the, this this um two vaccination process i think is very very important all around so that's going to be an effort and that's going to be a struggle because there's going to be certain parents certain kids that don't believe in vaccinations and are they putting others at risk likely they are and how's the school going to handle that are there going to be restrictions all the way along the line in terms of who can enter the classroom who can't uh, that's going to be a tough call
1: So I know there's not really a one size fits all in terms of, you know, your best advice uh, as a clinician to tell people how to navigate this, you know, new normal when they go back to school over the coming weeks, whether it's post-secondary or, you know, public schools. What is the best advice you could give parents and children right now who have this heightened sense of anxiety?
3: I think people are realizing, you know, a major stressor like this uh, can induce Serious anxiety, say depression, combination of both, marital difficulties, substance abuse disorders. And if that's the case and help is available, take advantage of it, especially now. And if you're taking advantage of it now, hopefully once this pandemic is under control and is no longer the big issue, you'll continue to pay attention to your mental health.
1: In terms of the number of people you see, how many or a percentage of your practice is seeing people with mental health issues totally related and correlated? To the pandemic?
3: There's a few, and this is interesting. If it's totally correlated, we're talking a few, but I think what is interesting is given that the pandemic has surfaced, people who've been struggling with issues are coming forward more often. And that's why my practice is busier than it's ever been, because people who've been sitting on the fence regarding the issues that they're wrestling with. Now that the virus is here, which has added an extra stressor, they come forward, and many, many are coming forward. There are a few who have been directly impacted by the virus, and they're certainly coming forward. But the ones that um, have been sort of vacillating, they aren't vacillating anymore. They're showing up, and um, they're getting the help that is needed.
1: That was Toronto psychologist Dr. Sam Claridge. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in (music) Review. Coming up, it's not just younger students heading back to school. Zoomers are registering for courses in greater numbers because of the pandemic.
0: You're listening to The Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP. Fighting against ageism in the workplace and the marketplace. Find out more at (laughs) carp.ca.
1: watching, cooking, just two popular courses offered for older adults this year through the Toronto District School Board's Learn for Life program that serves older adults. Register now for not only credit programs, but general interest courses. And it seems the pandemic has boosted the number of older adults wanting to learn something new. Belkis Romero is program manager. So it's back to school for all ages. And that's not just for younger kids and post-secondary, but that includes Zoomers. What are you offering through your program, Learn for Life, for Zoomers? Well, the Learn for
4: Life program is for adults 18 plus and seniors and is part of the Continuing Education Department at the Toronto District School Board. Our programs run four sessions within the year, fall, winter, spring, and summer. Normally our program, our programming is run out of many TDSB schools across the city and some non-TDSB locations as well for our seniors' daytime programming. But as a result of the current pandemic, we have had to pivot our programming to an online delivery method. The response from learners has been very overwhelming. Interest in these courses has grown significantly since we first started to offer online programming back in the winter of 2021. And we are now offering many different courses in subject areas like art, computer, fitness, health and wellness, culinary classes, and language, to name a few.
1: So that's interesting. You say interest has risen since the pandemic hit. Do you you think it is because of virtual learning? Absolutely.
4: I think there is a definite interest, and most people are are open to
1: that uh, new method of learning. So anecdotally, I've talked to a few people now who are trying to register to take courses. A couple of them seem to be oversubscribed due to popularity. For instance, the bird watching course Bird watching has been very
4: popular over the many years that we've been offering it. Uh, unfortunately, during the pandemic, we did have to cancel the food, you know, the classes that um,
1: we had proposed. Could you just go over maybe some of the more popular courses for the 45 plus group?
4: Sure. So many of our courses are very popular. Um, most popular are being fitness classes, of course, and uh, health and wellness. The culinary classes are you know, we have lots of interest from our learners and um, as well as the languages.
1: Well, let's talk about the, um, the the cooking classes. Now, these are some, these can be done virtually quite easily as well, right? A pivoting Absolutely. To... So tell me a little bit about how that works.
4: Uh, well, the instructor, they set up, you know, it's very interesting the lengths that they've gone through. They've set up their own cameras, they have actually two or three cameras that they're using. So the learner kind of gets a a really good visual of what the instructor is doing, what they're demonstrating. Uh, The instructors have, um, you know, they share their recipes with the learners, so the learners have an opportunity to go and buy whatever it is that they need for the classes so that they can cook along with the instructor.
1: So if there are some older adults who really want to take some some courses and kind of refresh, and they're just a bit leery, what advice would you give them?
4: You know, there are many benefits uh, for older adults and seniors to, you know, in taking educational programs. It keeps you healthier and more active, learning new skills or about new subjects is a great way to keep the mind sharp, makes you feel stronger, more confident, and is a great way to boost uh, self-esteem and in turn will keep you happy and healthy. And also, it's a great way to meet new people and make those connections with others that, you know, may share common interests with you. You know, COVID has really affected many people, not just physically, but emotionally, and having a community of people you can talk to every week really boosts people's emotional spirits.
1: So, for anyone listening who really wants to contact the TDSB to learn more about what you offer, what can they do? Uh,
4: so, registration for the upcoming fall term is now open and available at www.learnthenumber4life.ca. Classes begin Saturday, September 11th, and registration is available online.
1: Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Belkis Romero is a continuing education program manager with the Toronto District School Board. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross and for Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide.
0: Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer Justin Eacock. Executive producer Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.